Hello and welcome to Adam Analyzes. My name is Adam and I'll be your host. All right, so last week I did a commentary episode on video game movies, just video game movies in general. I kind of want to get away from doing commentary and just do some more movie rundowns or analyzing, if you will. I guess they're kind of reviews in a way. But that's not to say that I'm not going to do more commentary pieces in the future. But either way, I wanted to talk about this one. As you may have guessed, I do like to poke around a little bit in a movie to figure out almost what the movie has going on under the hood. Almost like what makes it tick in a way. Am I the best at this? Definitely not. However, I do like to provide a little bit of my thoughts on a film. This one here is definitely one that will stick with you and you will definitely probably want to discuss it afterwards. It'll affect you in one way or another. It could affect you in a good way or a bad way. Either way, I can almost guarantee you it's a discussion piece. But before we get too far into that, I think we should announce the movie. Starring Andrea Riseborough, Christopher Abbott, with supporting cast Jennifer Jason Lee and Sean Bean. This is the 2020 Brandon Cronenberg-directed Possessor, or more specifically, Possessor Uncut. Possessor tells the story of Tasia Boss, She's an elite corporate assassin, and she assassinates people. However, she doesn't do it in the traditional sense. Her assassinations involve her invading another person's mind through implanting her into another person, thus being a possession of sorts. Things don't go as planned when she is implanted into Colin Tate. It almost becomes a battle of the wills of who will control the body as Voss and Tate take over his body at any given moment. I forgot to mention too, the only way to get out of this person's body is by suicide to get back into your own. It's said that doing this helps alleviate the guilt and the association to the actual target. Of course, doing it this way also makes it seem like a random act of violence. So first things first, Brandon Cronenberg. Brandon Cronenberg is the son of David Cronenberg. I actually admire David Cronenberg's works quite a bit. I love The Fly, Videodrome, A History of Violence. I even enjoyed the movie Cosmopolis, which I know a lot of people were mixed on. Brandon Cronenberg has only directed one other film that I'm aware of, and that's the movie Antiviral. I actually tried to get into the movie Antiviral, but I just really couldn't get through it. It's an interesting movie, it's just not one that I actually enjoyed. So my initial thoughts going into this one were that I was worried that I wasn't going to like the movie. I actually did enjoy it quite a bit. I even enjoyed the fact that it reminded me a lot of Brandon Cronenberg's father, David Cronenberg. It has almost the same type of sterile direction. It's hard to explain it. But if you've watched a David Cronenberg film, you'll know that the movie is almost very clinical in nature. It doesn't exactly have a style, so to speak, but he definitely knows how to set up shots. It's just that they're very clean shots. Brandon Cronenberg goes for a similar style here. It works for the movie. There are moments where he does still shots. 
and does that camera jitter and I really can't stand that. I don't know the proper name for that style of direction, but it helps to allow the image to breathe a little bit, I guess. There are some really well-directed moments, some very striking moments. I think it would actually be a good time to start talking about them right now. Possessor has two really big standout scenes for me. That's the initial possessing of Christopher Abbott's character of Colin Tate and the blackout scene. Both are really hallucinatory with the way they're done. They're very well directed. The possession scene when we see the bodies kind of melt away, it's super striking and not something that I'll forget anytime soon. I don't know how they did it, but it's a really cool effect because we almost see shells of the people and they just simply melt away. The blackout scene where we have the character of Tasia inside the body of Colin, it's the part where Colin realizes that there's somebody else in his head. He starts having her memories in his own head. He proceeds to go and put on a mask that looks like her, but the side is drooped down. It's a very unsettling moment when we see it here in the film. It's a great, I guess, creepy kind of scene. No, it's not exactly scary or anything like that. He also awakens to two dead bodies that he can't remember killing. I would assume that it was actually Colin that performed these kills, as you see later in the movie, that maybe some of it wasn't exactly Tasia that was doing it. Maybe it was actually him. Or maybe he was just under the influence of her. Maybe these two personalities, these two individual people, maybe they were melding together better than what they ever thought that they would. It's a definite toss-up of what actually happened or occurred. You get the understanding of the scene in question. However, it's something that'll definitely be discussed if you want to see this with a group of friends and actually talk about the movie, which I think this movie deserves to be talked about, as I stated earlier. The other big standouts in this movie, one of them anyway, and I'll get into the other in just a moment, is the actual violence of the movie. The movie starts off with an assassination. It's surprisingly bloody. I'm not opposed to violence, of course not. I mean, I watch a lot of horror movies. But it's a pretty bloody movie in general. Of course, that'll be off-putting to some viewers. The scene with Sean Bean's character in the film, it's an extremely brutal and shocking moment with a beating topped off with broken teeth and an eyeball gouged out. It's really directed well, and really, for some, it's going to be a cringeworthy moment. This is something else that reminds me a little bit of some of the more graphic things that Brandon Cronenberg's father, David Cronenberg, has in some of his films, such as the stop-motion body melt in Videodrome, the melting hand in The Fly, maybe even the small flourishes of graphic violence in the film A History of Violence. One of the other things that surprised me, this is the other striking thing of the movie, is that the sex scenes in the film, they remind me of something you'll see in like a softcore porn film. I hate to use the word porn because it kind of degrades it in a way. It's just, it really reminded me of something softcore that you'll see uh, like a Skinamax flick or something like that. Not something that you would see in an R-rated movie. Considering this is an unrated film, 
I would imagine that this would definitely be an NC-17 if they were to have it rated. It's nice to see that Brandon Cronenberg was working without a rating restriction or was forced to make any kind of edits. I know that this was released in theaters. I don't know if it was actually released as an R-rated film or if they released it as unrated in some of the smaller theaters and smaller venues. I guess if you call the movie uncut instead of NC-17 or unrated, I guess that has a little bit of a better ring to it than simply, oh, well, this is an NC-17 film. It allows it to get a little bit more notoriety, potentially. I really have to give it up to the company WellGo. I know that they traditionally release a lot of Asian films, I believe, or anime, something like that. I know they did go and produce the two Phantasm Blu-ray sets that I actually own, but seriously, give them some credit for having the guts to actually release this as Brandon Cronenberg's original intent. This movie really is filled with strong performances from actress Andrea Riseborough and Christopher Abbott. I like the fact that both actors actually are trying different films, more daring films. I know Christopher Abbott was in the movie Piercing, which is a film that I didn't really care for too much. I did see it. It's okay, but it's not something that I would entirely recommend. Of course, you have Andrea Riseborough, who was in the film Mandy, which is a pretty awesome film if you have not seen it. I definitely recommend checking that one out. But both performances here with Riseborough and her detachment from her actual life and Abbott's struggle to figure out what's going on with him and only having moments of him actually being himself. It's very well done by the actors. They're both convincing in their roles. It's also nice to see that we do have actress Jennifer Jason Lee and Sean Bean making appearances. Their roles are somewhat small, but it's good to see them here. So it seems like the big theme of this movie is that it's exploring the idea of even when you're in your own skin, you can somehow feel alienated, uncomfortable, maybe not always yourself, or maybe how you're perceived to others, an identity crisis. Main character Tasia, she has trouble actually being herself as she seems more comfortable with her assassin lifestyle of being other people. You could go with a deeper dive and liken it to someone who is maybe transgender or maybe the appearance that they give on their social media as opposed to who they actually are. The movie definitely has something to say about this, especially since this is a woman possessing a man. There is even a sex scene where she experiences sex as a man would. Of course, it does go and show it in full glory, so if you ever wanted to see actress Andrea Riseborough with a prosthetic penis having sex with a woman, this is your movie. Of course, I'm making little jokes here, but it's showing the different experience that she's having being a woman experiencing it as a man. I think that scene that's somewhat in the middle of the film, I think that that's very telling of what the film is trying to say as far as the themes of different experiences in general, as well as the alienation and feeling not quite yourself. Of course, with my description of it, I may have actually made it sound more explicit than what it actually is. It's actually not that bad. I gotta say that in some ways the movie kind of reminds me of an idea we might see in the show like Black Mirror or something like that. 
it's suitably bleak. It doesn't really present a good outlook for the future in general. That is one thing I liked about this movie is that it's the future. It definitely has a future slant to it. However, you never get the feeling that it's too outlandish and even though the actual premise is. I really enjoy the ideas presented here, the idea of someone possessing another person's mind. But overall, if you think about it, it's a scary idea if you were to think that it could actually happen. What if you weren't really you and you had somebody else in your head? Of course, the movie's fiction, but it really feels like an idea that has a slight bit of reality. I think because of this grounded interpretation of the future, I think that largely works in its favor because it makes the movie more believable to us as it's a world that, while being in the future, it definitely mirrors our own world today. This one comes as a movie that's recommended if you're in the mood for something different. I actually enjoyed this one quite a bit. I think it's one that really deserves to be seen, especially if you can watch it with an open mind, or if you are in the mood for that something different. The last minute twist of the film was very well done. I didn't hate the twist ending to it. I think it kind of works in the movie's favor that we're given a last minute shock, considering a lot of the things in the movies may be shocking or surprising. I like this one enough that I would be willing to go back and check out Brandon Cronenberg's directorial debut, Antiviral, the film that I mentioned earlier that I couldn't get into. But this one really resembles something that maybe David Cronenberg earlier in his career would have made something like this himself. I think that's one of the great things about it is that he almost mimics ideas of his father. However, he completely crafted something that is his own film. I don't think he would want to be a product of nepotism. So it's good to see that he has definitely a individual voice. I think I'm going to close out tonight's episode. As a reminder, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam underscore analyzes. If you don't do the whole social media thing, you can drop me an email at adamanalyzespodcast at gmail.com. If you do have a free moment, I would greatly appreciate it if you would leave me a five-star rating at the podcast listening platform of your choice. It'll allow me to continue making new episodes and reach new listeners. But with that being said, remember, be kind and good night.